Hi, welcome back. Intuition, your first sense. This is Vicki Baird. And thank you for coming into another episode. Or if this is your first one, welcome. Appreciate you being here. Most of my work is done with those who have incredibly stressful lives. And whether that's an executive in a company, a person who owns their own business, um, someone going through difficult life change, divorce, partner passing, kids leaving home and not knowing what the identity of the family is any longer or the person, just varying degrees of exploration and helping people to line up with their soul and how they want to be in the world. And when this happens, there's often a reevaluation of the work-life balance and maybe there's an introduction of work. Maybe someone's been um, definitely doing the work of raising kids and has decided to you know, delve into their own thing or to go work for a company. Uh, either way, there's um, a need for most of us to understand the work-life balance. And this is actually humorous to me. It was requested as a topic in that giveaway thing I did. And it's wonderful because I realized, wow, I really do work with a lot of people on this and it is an important subject. And holy macaroni, do I have to work on this myself? Uh, because I am someone who can be so focused on business and providing service and making sure I'm in integrity that sometimes I can forget to have fun. I know I'm a goofball and I have fun in a lot of things, but that is practiced. Like that, well, the goofballness isn't that comes naturally, but the practice and the permission to enjoy my life and to play has really taken decades of understanding my wiring, understanding of where that got placed from the childhood I had but also understanding how it doesn't best serve myself or others to be solely focused. I am also a three on the Enneagram, and we'll be having a show on that pretty soon as well, which is a method of um, deciding personality types, it, but it somehow includes the soul. I cannot figure out how they did that in a testing form, but a three is someone who can be overly focused to work and I'm okay with that. I love the fact that I have a work ethic. However, on a soul level, I know I'm here to learn balance between integrating the soul with the human self, work and play, <laughs> carbs and protein, exercise and sedentary, like almost everything that we do includes a desire for equilibrium, for balance, for centering it out and um, so this is a topic that I'm so grateful was requested because it does apply across the board. And if you're not in balance in some way, it can be incredibly difficult to hear your soul's voice and to feel the connection with your intuition. So everything is connected. So what I thought I'd do is actually go through some questions that I usually ask of a client when we're meeting. Um, I don't have a cookie cutter approach, but these, when I sat down to think about it, were the ones that I think are the most important. And I thought, well, let's just go through those questions and then 
underneath each question, I will then give a suggestion of how you might actually identify if you're out of balance, but also then to shift it because it doesn't do any good just to talk about it. Like there has to be some kind of effort placed. (laughs) Can you hear my coaching model in there? (laughs) We can talk about this till we're blue in the face, but what are you going to do? So the first question I would ask is, are you doing work that you enjoy? And I'm not saying that you're lit up by that's so exciting, that's amazing, that's wonderful, because you know what? That statement of do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life is pure bunk because I absolutely love what I do and I work. And there are some days that are incredibly taxing. There are days I don't want to do it. I always want to talk to people. I always want to do sessions. But there are some days where I would rather be in silence or I would rather sit around and watch TV or go for a hike or something and not work on the course that's coming out shortly about connecting your soul. Um, There are absolutely days where I don't give a flying fig about the QuickBooks or anything like that. However, I love my work. So I think we have to kind of lower that bar a little bit of... You don't have to be completely lit up and super excited about your work all the time because just like everything in life, it's going to ebb and flow. And there are going to be moments that you're not thoroughly enjoying, but that you understand are part of the process. When I work with people who talk to me, they want to open their own business. And I love that. Oh, I love working with entrepreneurs so much. And I'm usually the voice saying, okay, well, what is your idea of a work week? Well, I want flexibility. I want to make my own hours. I want to, you know, have this super abundant, basically the stuff that's sold to you in, you can have this in a weekend course. And then I will say to, well, that's fantastic. But also understand if, especially if you're in the service model, that you have to have a full day for website updates and podcast recording if you're going to do that and getting your taxes together and getting them sent out and remembering to order ink for the printer and all of those things that, you know, become your own boss gets glamorized, but nobody's talking about these things that are challenging and granted, I mean, you can do them in your pajamas and you don't have to get all gussied up or necessarily go anywhere, but you do have to have that idea that it's not all about the filter that comes with Snapchat or Instagram. So do you enjoy the work that you are doing? A lot of the times we're afraid to ask this because if we get the answer of, you know, I don't really like it and you went to school for whatever it is, or you've invested 20 years of your experience life in it, And then you answer that question of, no, I don't really like it. It can be scary. But if you don't ask that question, how will you ever get to balance? Because you have to at least know, is this something that I enjoy doing the majority of the time or that I get a return on? Because it has to be more than your paycheck. Now, there will be times, there may be times in life where you are simply showing up for the paycheck because you're in transition and you don't necessarily know what you're going to do next, but you know that you like to have your rent or your mortgage paid. So there are times where that's going to be something that you put the effort in and you might not feel all lit up about. 
But if you are, and this is an area that I often work with people, is when they're redefining their trajectory or their income producer. I don't believe we're meant to have careers. Um, It's wonderful if you're in something that can change over time and you can experience new levels of understanding and you still feel um, an interest and an excitement about the work, great. But the idea that you're supposed to lock into a career and stay in that, I just think is a construct that often traps people in the type of work they're doing and then leads to poor habits and miserable behavior. So if you can assess what it is you'd like to be doing, and it's different than what you're doing, that's fine. You create a plan. Before I launched my business, I worked in um, healthcare finance and, and billing and all of that kind of stuff. And I knew, though, that this was the work I wanted to do, but I also had kids to support and a mortgage and you know, they like to eat a lot. So that was important to me to not risk that. And yet when I felt like it was time to jump, I did. So I feel like it's important and I know it's necessary for us to ask that question. So in a balanced situation, if you're looking for that balance or that life that is connective, you have to be willing to ask the questions. So Just feel into that. Ask yourself, what are the actual hours you're working? And with this, I mean the hours you are physically showing up, but I also mean where is your head? If you're home in body, but your head is still working, I want those hours written down. I want those hours tabulated, counted, (laughs) considered, because it's impressive how many people leave the workspace, even working from home, Which, by the way, if you are doing that, setting your hours is even more important for balance. And I would suggest at the end of whatever your hours are that you walk out your door, you go around the block or something, you come back in because there needs to be some kind of message of that has completed. And now I'm working on this next one. And as someone who's worked at home for almost three years now, two and a half years, something like that. These habits are important. But what are the actual hours you are working in your head and physically and checking the emails after hours or the posts or whatever it is? And most especially if you are running your own business, I want this written down. I want you to pay attention to it because the idea that if you own your own business, you must always be available is certain to have your business collapse or you collapse. So write it down. Um, get to know the actual hours. Because if you think about it from a, even from a financial standpoint, and you take what you're making and you divide it by all those hours, I mean, you might be better off working a job where somebody else <laughs> tells you what to do and there's no stress of keep bringing in all the money. So make sure that you're actually paying attention to that. The other area I run into a lot of the times with work-life balance questions and even the seeking of it is because I do tend to work with people who are spiritually open, intuitive, and driven. (laughs) Um, I'm laughing because there's such, (laughs) such a dynamic group of people that have the characteristics and it's so much fun. Um, There tends to be an idealized 
view. And this is where the intuition can come in because sometimes people, those of you that are super sensitive, open, empathic, tend to sugarcoat, um, tend to not pay attention to reality and truth around what is possible. So I know for myself, I'm including myself in this, I will can make a to-da list that actually covers 48 hours of work, total work, um, like task-oriented kind of work, and think I'm going to get it done in eight hours. <laughs> so that whole time concept is, again, a little confusing. With that is an idealized sense of accomplishment or completion. Like, I'm absolutely going to get all this done in this day. And then when you don't, there's a billy club that comes out. You know, you beat yourself over the head with it. Like, I suck. I didn't get this done. I said I was going to get it done. And um, how, how am I ever going to succeed, you know, and all of that. So in this is a level of perfectionism where it keeps you engaged in the work mode and getting it quote unquote right. And it can keep you hooked into that kind of adrenaline rush of, I know I can do this. So someone who rereads their email, you know, 20 times before they send it or, it's 10 o'clock on a Friday and in their head, they're already worrying about what Monday morning is going to bring. And there's a perfectionism and there's also a tendency to kind of think that that can control the outcome, that that can change it. Well, you will be adding energy to it, I promise you, but it won't be the energy of support. It won't be the energy of flow and ease and possibility. So check in with yourself and ask, is there a perfectionism aspect here where I'm actually expecting everything to be so perfect, which does not exist, by the way, that I can't leave the work energy behind in order to have a whole life balance? Because let's face it, you know, the statement of work-life balance is actually pretty ironic to me because work is part of life. So what you're really asking for is life balance. You're asking for a, maybe it's time balance or better time management, which we'll talk about, but it's not about work-life balance. It's about a balance within yourself because there may be somebody who works 50 hours a week and they look at you like, what? That was a light week. And they truly mean it. And the rest of their life is very fulfilling to them. And I think that's part of the problem that we get into with this perfectionism is there, I call it comparitis. You know, we're either comparing to what that other person is accomplishing or doing, or, you know, the Instagram perfect thing, which has not done us any favors, which is often why I'm on there with my hair all crazy and no makeup on, because that's how I live. You know, that's truth. That's life in itself. So I understand the desire for balance. I really do. But the expression of work-life balance already separates you. So let's think of you as one entity, one energy that's looking for balance within. Does that make sense? Um, I hope you're all nodding your head. <laughs> so part of this is a time management. And that's where I think sometimes people are a little confused when they come to me for coaching because, yeah, I have this intuitive ability. I can completely read what's going on and I can even tell you the best way out. However, that's not me living your life. You have to 
live your life. That's just me telling you what to do. And it's also an, you know, kind of an abdication of your own responsibility. So time management, like when I bring this up, people are like, what? This sounds like quote unquote regular coaching. And I'm like, well, this is regular coaching. There needs to be some aspect of commitment of time management. Because like I said, I can put 48 hours of work down and not get it accomplished But I can do that now without beating myself up. I know, okay, that's going to roll to the next day or the next day I don't have a full client roster, you know, whatever that may be. But in that time management aspect, when we respect time, it almost seems to stretch. Like it gets longer. It feels like there's more potential and, um, and, uh, just possibility and space and an opening. So one of the methods that I use is called the Pomodoro method. And a Pomodoro is a tomato. And there's a whole story around it. I'm not going to get into it. But my word for 2021 was focus. I always pick a word at the beginning of the year and it follows me through the year. And I come back to it. And if I land on 50% at the end of the year, I am stinking happy. So With the Pomodoro method, the way it's done is you set a specific time, usually 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, and that's focus time. The, the, all the computers and everything are on do not disturb. Your phone is across the room. Um, you can have music on. I'm fine with that, but, uh, like you're not listening to a podcast or a book while you're doing something else. You are focused on whatever the task at hand is. And then there's a built in break. You decide 10 minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, and then you go into another 25 minutes of focus time. Um, I usually suggest in those breaks that people get up and walk. You move, you stretch, you do a couple push-ups. Um, sometimes I'll throw a load of laundry in. Um, I'll go find the bunny and I'll pet him for a little bit. I'll get my lunch, um, you know, something along those lines where I'm One, most importantly, looking away from any device, computer, whatever I'm working with, but I'm also refocusing on myself. I'm rebooting my electrical system. I will always take four deep breaths. I don't know why it's four. It just sounded right and it felt right. So you pick your number and I will take those deep breaths before I begin my next 20 minutes or 20, I do 25 minutes um, of focus time. And I use the app Focus Keeper because you can set it up to keep going and it does its dings and its bells and its whistles and to let me know that it's time to get focused again. And that has helped me so much. I think a lot of the times, especially in self-employment, there's a mixed perception and a misperception that you have both all the time in the world and you have no time in the world. So when you do this focus time, it's it trains the brain to focus, number one, because we can't really multitask. We think we can, but the poor brain is just doing one thing. I mean, it's keeping you alive. So let's give it that credit. So when you use this method, um, you you get rewarded, right? You get that 10 minutes or that whatever it is to get up and move. And then after you do four, you take a complete break, you know, and that's when I would do like lunch. I'm not cramming it in in five minutes. Sometimes between sessions I am, um, but not <laughs> when it's a full focus work day. And this works really well 
to also give you an idea of how often you reach for that phone when you didn't even know it. So I will say to people, follow yourself around for a week, a week, because three days is not enough. There are some time um, observation and management uh, programs and stuff that suggest three days. Well, I don't know about you, but I can BS myself for three days. I can have complete three days of such production that you think, whoa, you know, she's really on a roll here. And then on the fourth day, you know, my entire existence is holding the couch down, you know, so you have to do a week because that also tends to flow into what are your days off? What do they look like? So my request is often that people write everything down. I don't need you to go into detail. This isn't about collecting homework. This is about finding your habits and to figure out where you are in all of this. And are you the one, the answer is going to be yes here. The, are you the one that's creating the out of balance? Because, you know, yes, if you have kids and, you know, you're helping to take care of parents or you have a farm, (laughs) you know, something along those lines, yes, you're going to have other things pulling on you. But it ultimately comes to us to make the decision. And if you're asking about, oh, Jiminy Crickets, how do I create this balance? Well, these are the things that are necessary to do. And at first it feels like I'm piling on more work. But if you don't have the information, we have nowhere to go. And it's amazing how much space and time you'll find in your schedule that you didn't even know was there. And it's important to identify that to bring some ease as well. Um, I will say that if somebody's in like medical residency or something along those lines, they're pretty much the ones that can tell me they don't have any time. Um, I just don't have any time, Vic. I And I will believe it. Anybody else, I tend to push back a little bit and say, let's just look at what's going on in your life. Um, And along those lines, do you ever unplug? Are the devices ever off so that you aren't disturbed? I actually don't have notifications on any of my apps with the exception of the one where I communicate with my assistants um, because two of them are in a different time zone and sometimes they need an answer and they know on Saturday and Sunday that if they get a response from me, it's rare because that is what I've set for my break, for my balance, because there were many, many years where I did not have a day off or anything like that. So, um, so with the exception of that one, there are no notifications on any of my apps and that helps me to not feel pulled in to check what that little red dot is, because of course, that's the reason, right? So do you ever unplug? I use Do Not Disturb on my phone and on my computer on a daily basis. It's always on on my computer. Um, And some of that is because I do Zoom, which by the way, if you're doing Zoom meetings, put yourself on Do Not Disturb. It is so annoying to hear that ping, pang, the text coming in and everything. Like we can tell you're reading those texts. We can tell you're reading those messages. Put yourself on Do Not Disturb, especially if you're being interviewed. It's just rude. With that, the Do Not Disturb is a built-in mechanism 
And you can let other people know that during this time, I will not be available. And yes, I know that this requires practice. And if you're in an office, is there a couple days a week where you could say to other people, you have a shared calendar, put it on there. It's not like you're going to be sitting in there, you know, drinking martinis and filing your nails. It's for work. But our brains need to be able to do that and not always be on alert Um, To me, it's the equivalent of if you've ever had an infant, you think you're sleeping, but you're not because you are on call. Like you can hear that the breathing change or something when you're, you know, in that parent mode. And that's what it feels like everybody is on and it's overloading their uh, sympathetic system. So the parasympathetic system (laughs) isn't getting built and that's what we need for that balance. So where are you not unplugging and then unplug. When I go for a hike, I have my phone with me because I have a terrible sense of direction. And uh, if there's any, and that's not even manifesting, that's truth. I can always find my way out, obviously, because I'm sitting here at this computer and recording this, but my phone is on do not disturb when I'm hiking too. Like that, we need to have places where we are just not available. And sometimes I have to say to myself, you are not going to listen to a podcast while you're working on QuickBooks or something like that. There's a wonderful, I don't know if you guys have Spotify, even on the free program, there is a wonderful playlist called Focus for Writing. And man, is it just perfect uh, for if you want some music in the background, but it's not invasive to your brain. So it's got the the sound waves and everything that are conducive to working. And wow, do I love it. So check that out. Focus in writing. So are there times where you are quietly reading, where you are thinking um, and not overthinking or stinking thinking, but you're just thinking about things and you let whatever comes into your head come in your head and go out of your head. Like these are all about, this is what balance and um, giving to self looks like. And it has to be done on a regular basis Um, because balance isn't about completing tasks or checking a box of achievement. Now, you know how much I love my to-do list. I celebrate my to-do list. I highlight on my to-do list because I'm not going to cross out anything I accomplished. I'm going to highlight it. But balance isn't about checking a box or highlighting or feeling or striving for that achievement place. It's, it's about feeling a contentedness within. It's about knowing that there's an ebb and flow in life and there are going to be times that are chaotic and there's going to be stress, but it doesn't have to be full of stress. And sometimes I feel like people like to wear the badge of that. Like they want to, I'm so busy, I'm so stressed. And and I had fallen into that years ago. And I then I got laughing one day and I'm like, who the hell am I waiting to come along and congratulate me for all these things that I have created in my life that lead to the responsibilities that I have. Like really, nobody's gonna come along and do that. So if you are someone who is thinking that balance comes from 
being able to check off things that you've accomplished and then I'll feel good. No, that's not really the case. It's like somebody said to me the other day, well, I know I'll feel good when there's $100,000 sitting in my bank. And I'm like, well, shoot, who wouldn't feel good? But if you wait until that happens, we might be talking to you in the next lifetime. How about you learn how to feel content and solid within yourself with your soul connection And then we talk about manifesting that $100,000 in your checking account, savings account, probably better idea. Um, And then the balance, of course, is going to include considering yourself. I'm not even going to call it self-care because you have to consider yourself before you can take care of yourself. So what do you enjoy? It's important for us to understand what lights us up, what is fun, what brings us that joy. Your soul energy is pure joy. It is in your body thinking, this is the best freaking ride I have ever, I could ever imagine. And it wants the human self, our human self to understand that too. And to experience this ability to be physical with a soul guiding us um, and, and integrated with us that I feel like people often miss the message of, well, what do you enjoy? And this is where compare-itis needs to be kicked out the stinking door because I have had people who I know love me say that my commitment to moving, it's not always hard exercise, but my commitment to moving is too much. I'm not taking care of myself. That's not self-care. And I have said to a couple of them, stop it. You don't want to move as much as I do. I have to move as much as I do. I have to get that physical energy engaged in order to deal with all of this psychic energy that runs through me. And if not, I'm not even going to go to what happens if I don't do that. So that's something that I enjoy. And I love the fact that I I have so many different modalities in order to do that. And while a couple of weeks ago, I was weightlifting a lot. My trainer buddy is on vacation for a couple of weeks and I have been thoroughly enjoying, it's called Kaisa Fit, K-A-I-S-A, Fit, um, and her mobility routines that, ooh, you'll break a sweat. Uh, But they're a different type and it's a lot of fun for me and my hip feels better (laughs) because that was a little tight. So what do you enjoy? What is fun for you? Um, And if there are doubters and there are people who are questioning, that's actually self-care. Because I know a lot of people who have very stressful work lives and then they get on the Peloton or their spin bike or whatever, and they just go and people think that that's more stress that they're adding to their body. When in fact, it's like, no, this is my therapy. This is how I balance out the energy. Um, Because we have to activate our parasympathetic system and the endorphins that come from movement activate that parasympathetic system and quiet the sympathetic reactive system. So what brings you excitement, enjoyment? It can be floating in a pool. It can be reading, researching. I know a couple people who are really into genealogy right now and that's lighting them up and that's fine. But what do you like? And if you've been working too much, you might not know. Um, And one way before I leave the parasympathetic system to do that is to do some belly breathing. Five minutes, you know, do some belly breathings. Take 
take five deep breaths, take a break, and then take five more. But really activate breathing and create what, <laughs> like I already have a belly. I work out, but I got a belly. And well, I work out and I have a belly. Uh, so I call it my Buddha belly. <laughs> when I take my deep breaths, I look like the happy Buddha. <laughs> so <laughs> as you're doing this, you're taking those breaths. It's telling your parasympathetic system, it's all good here, man. This is chill. Which when you build those skill sets, your body will crave it. So if, if you're someone who works out, you know, if you go more than two days, you probably start to get a little antsy um, and you need that. So most of this stuff, as counterintuitive as this is going to sound, when you're striving for that balance, for that contentedness that lives within, that can live within, you will likely have to put this on your calendar. You will likely have to schedule these things in. And it sounds, you know, a little backwards to say, add more to your plate, but these things will relieve some stress along the way. But if you don't put that in and you're questioning your work-life balance, um, it probably won't get done. The number one thing that gets put aside is our care and exercise when we're busy. And that's true of anybody, even when you have great practices, you're still going to put it off because the other thing might seem more important. So this is part of it. You have to determine what's important to you. And if you write it down, it, I think everything handwritten, which we don't do a lot of anymore, is very grounding. It helps us to connect to what we're saying um, and I do not have the neatest handwriting. And sometimes I'll go back to it and be like, what the heck does that say? My O's, my E's, my R's, they all look alike. So sometimes the creative wording is it's quite impressive actually to try to figure out what the heck I was saying to myself, but write it down, put it, you know, have a, a notebook, a journal, um, something where you can write it out. I like using copy paper. Uh, because the printer paper, it's probably not called copy paper anymore, printer paper, um, because it doesn't have lines. And to me, that gives me a freedom um, to write however I want to write and not have to stay inside the lines. So when you're writing what's important to you, you know, let's be honest about what time-wasting activity are you in. This is not about like I said earlier, achievement and checking things off, but it is important. And the phones have those, you know, they'll let you know how long you've been on social media. Although I think if the app is left open, it counts that too, because sometimes I've had it say that I was on there for six hours a day when I did a post in the morning to my page and then did sessions all day. <laughs> so I personally hold myself to a 20 minute daily limit. And that includes checking my business page. So if it takes me 10 minutes to check my business page um, and answer, because the comments on there, it's me. I'm not having anybody answer that. Um, I may only get five minutes of personal stuff. So um, it's important to look at that and be honest about what you're doing without consciousness. I am 
great with the idea and even encourage the idea to watch some silly TV or I love house hunter shows and, and things like that. So it's, these things are, and entertainment is important too, but if Netflix is asking you if you're still watching, you really need to consider um, that you are very out of balance with your own um, investment in life and your own connection to life. And along those lines, do you have people in your life that are psychic vampires, um, people who are time management challenging to you, um, someone who just wants to talk and talk and talk and talk and they don't really say anything? Um, and is, is there someone that's, you know, using up your space, but you're allowing them to use up your space? And do you enjoy being with them? And if you don't enjoy being or communicating with them, you need to be clear. And sometimes it's just a matter if it's somebody at work or something where you can say, oh, I got to get back. I got a project I'm working on. Uh, and you can excuse yourself. But if it's someone in your personal life, you may need to put some boundaries there and take your health and enjoyment of life as the priority and that it's more important than their opinion. And it might just inspire others too um, to have that commitment to self where you're like, no, I'm just trying to figure out how to be in my best space. I love that expression that it's not about the beginning date or the end date. It's about the dash. So that dash is what we're living. And do you really want to get to the point where you're looking at your movie after you've passed and realize that it was all about work and service to others in a way that you weren't authentically there. So the spiritual connection is really important and it's incredibly difficult to create and develop and maintain a spiritual connection with your own soul if there's no space in your life, if there's no quiet, if there's no balance. So where's your relationship with your soul? Do you even know you have one? Are you allowing that wisdom to be part of your work, uh, it, part of your life? Well, part of your work. It would be lovely if people brought more soul into their work. Are you connected with your team members? Do you know about your guides um, and your the fact that we're not going to get it all done in one lifetime? Like we do hundreds of lifetimes. So the push to make sure everything is done and like I said in the beginning, perfect is quite frankly a waste of your brilliance. It's a waste of your genius and your greatness. So fast forward yourself to that process of maybe just before passing and look at your life, look at it with an objective eye and really see, am I embracing what I have here? Am I aware of what could change? And am I willing to take the steps to do it? It's a pretty powerful experience to come up and do a bird's eye view of your own life and then put into action what habits you would like to change. Um, and along those lines, you know, what are the habits that are not helping you? Um, you know, a lot of people are in the complaining or the victim mode. That can be a habit. You know, when you're thinking that everything is so stressful and put upon and everything, if you're using the energy to complain, you have the energy to walk around the block. You have the energy to 
clean a closet. You have the energy to write that first chapter of the book. If you have the energy to bitch and moan, um, then you have the energy to change things. And maybe some of the changes that need to be made are your roles at home. You know, do you not delegate? Are you trying to control some of the situation at home and have it done your way? Uh, You know, because maybe your partner or your spouse does it differently or the teenager does it differently. I'll tell you what, they can't learn to do it if you don't implore them, order them and follow up on it. They can't learn to do it. And there I work with a lot of parents where I'm like, seriously, these kids are 15 and 16 years old and you're still doing their laundry? No, no, nope, nope, nope. They need to be doing that because those are adult skills. They will freak out when they get out in the world or they'll never leave your house if you're not making that a priority. And if they run out of underwear, tough. Tell them to turn it inside out and wear the other pair the second day because this is these are the building blocks to being an adult that's not stressed and capable of navigating life and rolling through things. So do your part there and delegate, which will also maybe get you some space. Um If you're the one asking, what do you want for dinner? Change that to what's for dinner. Um, When I had my kids and they were old enough to cook uh, safely, I each one of them had, there were three of them, each one of them had a night that they made dinner. And their father at the time was working three to 11 and wasn't home for dinner. And I was working, volunteering and getting them to all their sporting stuff. And, you know, the homework in the whole nine yards. So I decided, you know what? Three nights a week, each one of you is going to prepare dinner three nights a week, each one of you for one night a week. And then one, the other night of the week is going to be get your own. And that meant four evenings, usually the school evenings, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, were taken care of. And then on the weekend and Friday night, maybe Friday night, you know, we ordered out or, um, you know, I prepared something Thursday, so it was ready to go Friday. And then on the weekend, either their dad was home, who was a really good cook, um, or we would, you know, I would take over. And those were the, the nights that we, that I cooked, but there's an ownership that gets to happen within the home. But the other thing that happened is they're all really good cooks now. So they didn't have to stress out when they left the house about how to make their own dinner. And I've seen this before where the young adults are not worried about schooling or anything like that, but they don't know how to do their laundry or uh, make their food um, or budget. Finance is the other thing. So can you delegate And in the delegation process, help to inspire and to teach. And no, it wasn't perfect. There were nights where I'd be like, drag your butt in the kitchen and I don't care what you make, but there must be a vegetable and there must be some protein. Get out there and do it. And then eventually they'd get excited about it. And we got into a nice little flow where they would tell us what we had to um, get at the grocery store so that they could make dinner. And Yes, for the younger one, it was often that we had like hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, (laughs) but that was okay. So can you let go of things? And again, if you're working from home, make that delineation from your work time to your home space by going out and playing with a dog or by, you know, having a phone call with a friend at that time while you got, I was joking with someone the other day. I said, I call it my commute. What I do is I leave 
at the end of my sessions and I'll go down and check the mail or if it's nice out, I'll go for a short walk um, or I'll run an errand, something that takes me out of here and then brings me back in a new head. And it really works. But remember that my statement of micro movements matter. We start small. You don't do all of these things at once. You pick one. Pick something that lit you up. Something where you were like, oh, that sounds intriguing. Or on the the flip side of that, you were like, oh, Lordy, I got to start that today. Start small. Do not say you're going to exercise every day. You're not. And nor should you because your muscles need a time to relax. Pick your, you know, maybe three days out of the week or whatever. With the exception of if you do the time study, you do it for the seven days. It's about reprioritizing because right now you may be prioritizing the uh, areas and and the work that's not really what this whole existence is meant to be about. Um, And maybe rest needs to occur in there. And you could prioritize that by really making sure you're shut down on all devices and you're in bed with a book, a hardcover book, uh, well, a paper book, not a, it doesn't have to be a hardcover or a magazine or something, just something that still activates that part of your brain that helps you be tired so that you rest. Focus on or observe what's working and what's not and be objective about it. Don't be judgy, judgy, be objective about it. Um, most of the time when we observe our own behavior, we can see the solutions and you can shift to it. And if you need help with any of this, vickybeard.com. You can find me on there, book an appointment, and I'm happy to help with this. Because the more we are connected to our joy in life and the more that we are flowing with life, uh, I feel like that goes out. It's a ripple effect and it brings healing and peace. Um, and to that point, this stuff is a cycle, a, cy- a cycle of evaluation. You're going to be at times Maybe it feels like you're perfectly in balance, that everything's flowing and it's great. And then there's a big project due or a case comes along that you take or work is short staffed and you just have to step up for a little bit. That's fine. Everything has a cycle to it. But having these skills on board and observation ability, you'll recognize it sooner. You'll improve whatever habits or whatever time wasters have shown up again, you'll make the changes and then you'll start again. And then you'll start again. And then you'll start again. Because again, perfection does not exist. This is why the diet industry is worth how many billions that they are is because we start again and again and again, instead of just shifting our lifestyle. And that's what this is. It's about a lifestyle shift. So It may be difficult at times and there will be different demands, but if you know how you want to feel in all of this, how you want to feel as you navigate all of this, for me, centered is always the word that comes up. I want to feel centered. I can feel a little nervous. I can feel like, ooh, this is a big undertaking, but I also want to feel centered in the surety that I've got the skills to navigate it. And that happens by observing, by looking, by making the changes, um, and then being willing to prioritize again and reprioritize. So I hope that this has answered some of your questions and it has helped. 
Um, it's definitely a system that's benefited thousands of clients, I'm happy to say. Um, and not everybody needs all the questions. Sometimes we're just in one area that's not thriving. And when we look at that, um, nutrition included, uh, then it often flows to the others and it's great. So it is possible. I know people want to push the message that this is just the industry. This is just the life we live. Well, it's not. It's not. Um, we don't have to be in complete adrenal overload and so stressed out and calling that quality of life. That's not necessary. So I wish you all the best. I thank you. And I will see you in the next episode. If this is something you feel would be beneficial to you, feel free to pop on over to the website, vickybaird.com, V-I-C-K-I-B-A-I-R-D.com, or at Coach Vicky Baird on all the social platforms.